Hi everybody in podcast land and also on YouTube. Welcome to Carpool Critics. I'm James. I'm David. I'm Riley. And today we're talking about Iron Man. Spoiler alert! That's a new thing. This is what Just we're so st- you know, there will be spoilers. There's always spoilers. <laughs> the movie that started it all kicked off the MCU. Ugh. So, in retrospect, is it good? A lot of people think it's their favorite one. What? I'm surprised. No? Really? The favorite one out of how many are there? 12? <laughs> 23? <laughs> huh? 22? There's a good 12, though, for sure. <laughs> oh, you mean like there's 12 good ones out of that 23? No, I, oh. I just was, I completely forgot how many there are. There's oh. sorry, 20, I forgot. 21, the, 22? I'm sorry, I forgot I think, the exact I'm thinking number. James Bond. I don't know. There's lots, and they it, keep coming. I should pay more attention, though, because, you know, MCU is basically, it's the new Star Wars, because they take it seriously. Yeah. You know, I, I was one of those people who hated on uh, MCU movies. Like, I, I saw the first, in phase one, I saw, like, first three or like i saw the first avengers i saw iron man i saw thor yeah and then i think it was ant-man the trailer came on and i was like okay there's too many of these now who (laughs) cares about ant-man yeah and then uh years go by yeah people like scorsese are saying that uh, marvel movies are stupid and like i'm just not (laughs) watching any of them then everyone makes a big stink about infinity war and how sweet it is right end game's coming out i go see infinity war i go and by go see i mean on my couch (laughs) <laughs> it ends and I'm like, whoa, this is better than Star Wars. Yeah. This yeah. is so much better than Star See, Wars. See, this is, it's kind of funny because when Iron Man came out, the first one, I think we were all so used to these like dumb superhero movies because mo- uh, studios have been trying for so long to make like good superhero movies. And w- there had been a few, you know? When did Batman Begins come out? 2005. The year before. 2005. No, no, no. I mean, it came out 2005 and Dark Knight came out mm-hmm. the same year as this. Yeah. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There already too. were good superhero well, movies. So those were good, but they're kind of like a different kind of good. Mm. You take them a bit more seriously. There's like normal movies. Yeah. They fit up there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then there's superhero movies and to be a good superhero right. movie, you don't have to be on that echelon. I, th- I feel like before Iron Man, we had like, you know, Daredevil and the original Spider-Man movies. And those me, are good. No, and, they're, and, they're and fine. X two came out. X Men and X two are both out. X two came out in two thousand three. Yeah, the X Men movies are, are are cool, but they're they're like I feel like Iron Man was the start of just these complete quality movies. You you go see an MCU movie and you know that it's going to be good. Like you you what you, the f- you're you're not. <laughs> what are you talking? No, about? like it's going to be okay. Like you 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 can go see Daredevil and you were like, all right, that was cool. But it was janky and weird, and there was like some effects that didn't really work, and there was some dialogue that's just like weird. But you go see an MCU movie, Iron Man. Everything in this movie is just solid, and I feel like it is is the start of a whole run of MCU movies where they're just solid, and there are better ones than there are worse. Well, you're ones. guaranteed to get a like a a list cast and a huge budget, right? For sure. Okay, for sure. but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We First, are. David, why don't you tell us what you would rank this movie? Out of 10. Watching Iron Man in 2020 is like shooting off an expired Roman candle after years of shooting off big-ass oaky toilet crackers, Tijuana finger splitters, and devil's dongs. Who's your D's? Still fun. Just a little quaint compared to the newer, better stuff. <laughs> quaint. I like that. Oh, and rating? Uh, 7.2. Okay. Okay. Where's that extra point two come from? Uh, You should ask where the minus point eight comes from, but you'll have to ask me that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Riley? Okay, here's my slogan. It's the tragic origin story of a young man who becomes trapped in a mechanical suit after being crippled by someone he thought was his family. But lightsaber fight aficionados will love it. 
Five out of ten. Five. five. I didn't understand anything you just said, by the way. <laughs> That's because that was the slogan for the movie I wanted to watch this week. Revenge of the Sith. Oh. And I'm disappointed. I know we went back to democracy, and I love you guys, but dang it, I wanted to watch Revenge of the Sith. Well, apparently Linus and Luke are going to do a commentary track of Star Wars, and I think we should save our Star Wars stuff for when we they're doing de- that. We and will. And I, man, I was push. listening to their WAN show clip, and I was like, there's so many things I want to correct here. <laughs> Straight <laughs> but, up wrong. But anyways, here's my real slogan. <laughs> Gold titanium alloy man would be more accurate, but like Pepper Potts, this movie cares less about the details of a scientifically advanced armored suit and more about the man inside. Will that be all, Mr. Stark? No way, baby. There's like nine more movies. 8.5 out of 10. (laughs) 8.5? Yep. Wow. That's pretty high, Ben. I really like this movie. A lot more than Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't my real rating for Revenge of the Sith. Okay. I thought about that for like two seconds. Okay. Usually, I think for a good ten. What a roller coaster that was, <laughs> <laughs> James. Iron Man does a good job of forging the tone of the MCU, but ultimately fails to blast off. Oh my god! Six point eight. I usually do six point eight. Yes, I usually Fails. round off. I usually do point fives or round it off to zero, but I'm doing a six point eight today. Oh my gosh! The infection is spreading. It's David Appreciation the, Day. The, 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 the weird <laughs> decimal points. Hell yeah! yeah. <sighs> What do you mean? You didn't like this one. That's fine. 6.8. Anything greater 6.8? than 6.8. Anything greater than 5 is, you know, um Wow, I'm I, I'm discovering I I guess I like this movie way more than you guys. Anything greater than 5 is on the good side. A 7 is like that's a good movie I'd recommend to people. This is slightly under because I think it has problems uh in act 1 and act 3. They ha- it has like opposite problems. That's interesting. I my found that the weakness of this movie is act 2 and act 3 and so I'm excited to see what you think the problems of act 1 are cuz I think that's its strongest act. Yeah, let's get into that right after Riley just reminds us what this movie's all about. Billionaire genius playboy Tony Stark is at the top of his game selling advanced weapons to the military. Like Elon Musk a couple years ago. Exactly. <laughs> like Elon Musk before Almost. Twitter. Yeah. He hasn't had a kid yet. But when he's captured by terrorists and discovers they're also using his company's weapons, he decides to change his legacy with the help of a fancy chess-mounted flashlight. He builds an armored suit and uses it to escape, making plans to help people with his his technology. But Stark Enterprises executive Obadiah Stane has plans of his own, moving from dealing with terrorists under the table to building his own version of the Iron Man suit. To beat the game, Tony Stark must face the most evil force of all. Shareholders. Can we just talk about Obadiah Stain? What, <laughs> what a name. What kind of stain is it? Oh, just <laughs> but how do you know? You spell it S T A N E. So it's, it's a common mistake. <laughs> he gets that a lot. Obla Diabla Dila Stain. The what? Obla Diabla Dila. Oh my God. Oh. Let's keep making fun of that guy right after this message from our sponsors. Hey guys, the world's opening up again. You might be on Tinder again soon. Why not shave your nutsack and and make it smell good with a little bit of ball toner. That's what you can expect from Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, including the Lawnmower 3.0 with its ceramic blade, 7,000 RPM quiet stroke motor, and even an LED light like Iron Man's chest thing <laughs> so you can see your balls. Do you think that helps Iron Man see his balls? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CARPOOL at manscaped.com. He always has perfect ball trimming lighting. 
Jarvis, shave my balls. <laughs> We're also brought to you by Private Internet Access VPN. PIA helps you hide your true IP address so you can bypass geo restrictions and censorship. You can connect up to five devices at once, and it includes an internet kill switch, Riley. Hiya! If your VPN gets disconnected involuntarily. PIA is available for Windows, Mac, Android, iOS, and even has a Chrome extension, so check it out at lmg.gg slash carpoolpia. It's a ninja cutting it's a ninja cutting the kill switch on. Like a Chris Farley it's, ninja. It's, yeah. Yeah! Man, okay, so this is interesting. I feel like I have such high respect for this movie going in because of the later accomplishments that it's set up. Like the the MCU success. Like it gets a little boost from that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think I I think when most people saw this movie, they were like, Oh, this is a pretty good superhero movie. But I think like seeing the the threads laid out and knowing later how they're gonna pay off, just like I don't know. I love it. See, I actually kind of had the opposite reaction. I, in my head, this movie was more tightly connected to everything that happens later. But on this rewatch, it didn't seem as nearly as risky as I remember it. It's like a pretty safe, self-contained movie. And oh, like, yeah. There's the post-credit scene that ties it. But really, like, they weren't investing that hard into this big vision idea. They were just like, they had a vision, but this movie doesn't necessarily rely on that. And mm. I think I was looking for a little bit more connective tissue, but maybe that just wasn't fair. Yeah, That's it was it was off the strength of this movie. Like this movie did really well, and after that, then they got distribution, like a deal signed for like the next four or something like that, and it took off. Did they even have Marvel Studios? No, that was later. This was still like the film yeah, division what? of Marvel. Yep. They didn't have Marvel Studios yet. In the time of Avi Arad, the mentor of Kevin Feige, that guy, at like a year later, he resigned, and then Kevin Feige got promoted to chief of Marvel Studios. And oh. At age 33. Wow. Oh, that makes me sad. He's talented. Can and you now imagine he's, that? And now he's like 43, I guess, or something. 40-something. Well, he's a lot <laughs> how you, older. How do you do math? <laughs> to me, this ushered in an era where if it was a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, you'd go in knowing that it's going to be good. See, I strongly disagree. I think... The Marvel Cinematic Universe actually didn't start that strong. This is a good movie, but then we got like Captain America: First Avenger, which is okay. Thor, uh, uh, I like, like Thor. The Hulk. Thor was fine. Well, the Hulk doesn't. All... Ma- the Hulk doesn't really count. Sure does. Well, uh, but sort of. in general, I'd say like, but the only in the first phase, the two movies that I'd say are like good or above are this and Avengers. I think everything else is okay. And so I don't think they're better than like oh. X-Men 1 or 2 or Spider-Man 1 or 2. And they're what? certainly not better than uh, the Batman movies that we had just gotten. You just disgusted me. You're just- <laughs> Spider-Man 1 and, 1 and 2 are like, they're good. I never liked Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Yeah. I, 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 they didn't really speak to me, those movies. I think they were definitely part of my childhood. So I was like connected to them. But re-watching clips of them, I just, I'm like... It's the, here's maybe the crux of the issue with old superhero movies I feel like they tried really hard to kind of like directly adapt the feel of a comic book where things are cheesy and cartoony and with the Marvel Cinematic Universe I think what they did is not so much directly adapt it as like transform it for modern audiences so that's what I think is the beauty of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is creating a comic universe that feels 
like it's from our generation. Well, the X Men movies were like that. They wore leather instead of spandex. Yeah, I well, think I think you're that, remembering it wrong. Attempt. I think you, the, you're remembering the entirety of the MCU. But that first phase was like kind of awkward, and like they hadn't figured it out. Like they were comic booky movies. Like Captain America's super comic booky. Sometimes I try to pull a fast one on my wife. I'll put <laughs> on a Marvel movie to see if she knows. Because if it's like <laughs> if it's not a superhero scene, maybe I'm just watching a drama, right? So I put on. On the weekend, late at night, I was like, let's throw on Doctor Strange. The VFX in the movie is sweet. Oh, so yeah. I put it on. She she comes home right on the scene where, like, Doctor Strange, it's still act one, and he's uh, his hands were broken, and he's basically just crying, like, what am I going to do with these broken hands? <laughs> and he's having this this scene with his, like, with these broken hands. I'm Benedict Cumberbatch doing an American accent. Anyways, he's, he's good at it, but go ahead. It, it was pretty brutal. She knew right away. She's like, what is this? Like, not good. Oh, really? Not good. And then yesterday... I, enjoy, I enjoyed Doctor Strange. But do you enjoy that aspect of it? You know what I mean? Well, okay. Like when it's trying to just be a normal movie? I feel like... Not I f- that good. I feel like I'm not I'm not in here trying to say that every Marvel movie is perfect or that, or that like it is really, really good. I think that they're solid. Like phase one, you're, I, I would agree with you, David, that Thor is, Thor is the weakest for sure, but it's still like... A decent comic book movie. No one came out of the theater being like, that sucked. You know, it was like, that was fun. That was cool. Yesterday, I tried to do the same thing to her. I throw on Ant-Man. She's, she doesn't know what I put on. Yeah. The very first scene, like, someone walks through a door and enters a space, like a UN-looking space. It's uh-huh. a giant room. It's got, like, a globe on the wall and a bunch of, like, digital-looking screens. <laughs> and then, like, the, like, four people sitting on this desk in it in this big empty room and they just start talking like melodramatically yeah you know, like oh this pea particle nobody can blah 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 and she immediately was like what is this but that's like, and like why didn't they just put it why didn't they just film in like oh like a white house looking room like with an oak table like a normal looking conference room like they have in like in 2001 space Odyssey? why does it have uh. to be this like there's a holographic globe spinning it right. just looks so stupid no for sure i mean like those but to me, like those elements are just mainstays of comic book movies. Like, if you're not talking about kind of like a movie that's trying to take place really in the real world, like Batman, the Batman Begins uh, trilogy, uh, every comic book movie is going to have stuff like that. It's just like crazy holographic technology that doesn't exist now, and we're just saying it does for the sake of this movie. I, but it still doesn't. It just didn't even look like look good or look real. And that's the end of Phase Two. This that's why you watch it on a 17 inch so, laptop. How I would define the phases are not necessarily that they're like all getting better. It's that they're starting to take bigger and bigger risks with each movie. And like, mm. they would try new genres. They would try new things. And sometimes they would do terrible. Like phase two has the worst movie of the entire MCU, which is Thor dark world. Yeah. Um, but it also has one of the best gardens of the galaxy. And it's just because they were trying to see what worked. They phase one was like a safe bet. All of them are pretty comic booky. They were like, yeah. okay, phase two, they're like, all right, we have enough comic book movies. We have this established. Now let's try and see what works. And by phase three, you're getting like a high school movie. You're getting like uh, more sci-fi. You're, you're getting stuff that's way more out of the traditional comic book movie. And so that's how I would define the phases is that they were willing to take bigger and bigger risks. I completely, with each movie. I completely agree with you. And I agree that, that things get more interesting as time goes on. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, it's, you know, it's kind of uh, similar to what we were talking about in the Fountain episode where I value simplicity done well. And I think that this movie is very simple. It's super simple. keeps it keeps it right on the basics. But I think that in going for like an origin story kind of first movie to set up what what they're doing, it's it's almost 
I mean, it's not perfect, but like, there's very, very little for me to criticize about this movie because I enjoy it from start to finish. The characters are compelling. The writing is snappy and, and smart. It's just a, it's a solid ride. Well, oh, I, I think it's... Boy, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think we should start right at the beginning because I think that actually the first scene is a really smart way to bring us into this world. It's the oh. first moment uh, we're in the back of a Humvee. Uh, Tony Stark is like kind of having this friendly banter with these soldiers that are awkward and you, it does such a good job of giving you all this characterization of Tony Stark that he's not an asshole. He, he's good with people. He's very char- charismatic. He's charming. He's good at disarming them. Uh, but he's also a celebrity. But then you get the explosion and then all of a sudden he's uh, out of the Humvee and there's insurgents f- attacking him. And then all of a sudden there's a rocket that lands right by his feet. Stark Industries yeah. blows up. We're into the movie. I think that oh, man. like chunk of movie is perfect. I Wait a that, second, though. You, you're saying when we're in the back of the Humvee, it's demonstrated that he's not an asshole? But what about the whole thing where he's like... Well, he's not a complete Well, that one soldier's like, did you really bang every single Maxim so, model every month? Though, and he's like, well, I didn't get May, but I, I had twins maybe, in December. Maybe I think the that, po- but the point isn't that he's, not, that he's not an asshole. The point is that he's fun. Yeah, and he's, he's good kind of, at, He's yeah. kind of an asshole, but he's fun. And they have to have room for him to grow. Uh, he can't be... Because he's actually a pretty decent person at the start of this movie, and he has good relationships with those around him. So it's not yep. like he's a complete jerk, uh, but he just they have to establish that he still has room to grow while still being a people person that he's we can like. I don't know. They, he's likable, but they make they do set up that he's an asshole, though. Like, he's he fucks people over. He doesn't go to the award show. Instead, his colleague has to, like, walk up there and accept well, the it, award on his yeah. behalf. No, like, exactly. He, that, yeah. and that's before, but that's before, like, this stuff that we're seeing. And I think that's important yeah. to set up that he does have room to grow, uh, that he will become a better person than he is now, which is like the but main theme of this Here's my movie. question, though, is in that Humvee scene, his statement about um, banging all these Maxim models, is that supposed to make us think, this guy's cool, or this guy's a douche? I think Because it's act one. Well, it depends he, on who you are. He is a douche <laughs> in act one. They try to make him not a douche by the end of the movie. Yeah. And on the one hand, I'm thinking, okay, maybe they, they, they put this line in here to make you think this guy's a douche. But then there's the there's one female soldier in the Humvee, right. and when he's having this banter, this conversation, she's smiling. She's I, not upset. Yeah, yeah. I if think, she was upset, then it would be like, okay, we're supposed to think he's a douche. But the fact that she's smiling, it's like we're supposed to think he's cool. And I, when I saw this movie as a 19-year-old, I definitely thought that was cool. I think it's a combo <laughs> I did, of both. I, never I think you're cool. supposed to be like, wow, he has everything he wants, which is cool. But you're also supposed to be like, oh, he's kind of like an insensitive douche that like has sex with people that for meaningless yeah. reasons. Well, I, I think it can, it's not mutually exclusive. I would have never thought that a dude bragging about banging all the Maxim models is cool. So I think that what the, the movie is getting at there is that people kind of forgive these sort of douchey elements of him, of him because he is rich, rich. He's fun. He, 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 he throws wealth around, you know, he, you know, he's a fun guy. He, but the, the whole point is that he is an asshole because that's the starting point for the arc he's going to go through. Mm-hmm. Do you think if they had made this movie in 2020 that they would have had that quip in there? Yeah, for sure. I think they might have had a different reaction from the soldiers, but I think yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, they absolutely would. Because like that's such a characteristic like male fantasy douche thing. And that's where he. this movie is definitely like basic male fantasy, uh, but they need to give you that while still showing that he's like got issues. Yeah, there's uh, definitely I, there were definitely a few points in this movie where I was kind of like, this is like, uh, yeah, I don't know if it would fly in, in in a movie release today, like in the on the private jet when the 
the flight attendants are also strippers, sort of. Yeah, or like when they're <laughs> in that air hangar and Rhodes is giving a speech to a bunch of pilots. Yeah. Uh, all, every single pilot's a dude. And then yeah, he's, yeah. he's like, uh, a, a pilot needs to have intuition. He needs to know his plane. I was like, oh, they just wouldn't do... Pr- I'm not... Hey, oh, I'm not saying like... I didn't even notice I, I'm not that. saying That's I funny. have an issue with this and that they should change the movie. Before you people James. call me an SJW, yeah, I'm just... An, oh. All I'm saying is that I don't think they would have made that decision today. Right. That's fair. Right. And that's and fair. Yeah. Also, um, what about the reporter who, who he bangs? Do you think that would have happened if they made the movie? Yeah, I think, that's yeah a, sure. that, I think that's a really good little relationship because it shows a lot about Tony Stark. Totally. Uh, it sets her up so that when she comes back later and kind of gives him the the, the gotcha moment of like the reporter being like, hey, did you know that your, your weapons are still being sold? You understand who she is. But it also gives you a great introduction to Pepper. Totally. Uh, mm. Who when in the next morning when the, the girl's waking up and she's like, oh, where am I? And she sees Jarvis, all this stuff. Pepper caught, tick comes in and you get to know Pepper so quickly with so few lines where like, okay, she's Tony Stark's servant. Uh, servant. But she's also like this badass who stands up for herself, who's just like, oh, sorry, I also take out Tony Stark's trash. Yeah, okay, that's a little far, though. Like, th- that's how they're setting up Pepper. She's actually a total bitch. <laughs> like, this girl was being rude to her, so. too. I, I, think, think she, I think it was. I think she has seen the types of girls that he brings home uh, for how many years now, and she's just sick of it. Yeah. She's just like, you, you're not a person to me in this instance. You're just literally a piece of trash that I have to get rid of now. Do you think that extra rancor is supposed to suggest that she's in love with Tony? Yeah, I do, actually. I think that they are setting that up from the beginning. And I think she she hasn't accepted it herself. She has this professional barrier and kind of this, not coldness, but... Uh, distance? Distance, yeah. Uh, that she keeps because that she has to. And like you kind of see that come apart at the ball when she's like, oh, it's so stupid that I'm wearing this dress and yeah. I'm dancing with you and everyone's here seeing me. Uh, and she hasn't let that guard down, but I think that she does have feelings from him even before this movie starts. That whole dynamic um, of her being his assistant, but having feelings for him and him kind of having feelings for her, but at the same time, he's <laughs> he's having sex with all these chicks like left and right. I was just like, oh, this gives me such a weird feeling. Like, get like I would if I knew her, I'd be like, what are you get that get out of Who, there? Who's the director of this movie? It's like John Favreau. It's that's Happy, right? The yep. character Happy. He looks yeah. so good in this movie, and then he get the stress got to him. I guess after <laughs> he like he doesn't <laughs> no. have any lines in this movie though. No, he he he's, wanted he's Downey specifically. Yeah, he wanted that like rough weirdness. <laughs> like this guy's <laughs> seen some shit, and I think it's one of those things where like um you cast something like that and it brings more attention to the movie. It's like casting Heath Ledger as the Joker. Right, you're kind of like what. Problem child. I mean, What's was, he going to bring to the role? I can't think of many other actors where watching the movie, I don't even think about the fact that I'm watching an actor play a person right now. He 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 so fully embodies Tony Stark that the, the illusion is complete. He's and, like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Well. No? No, I don't. I mean, I don't feel that way about Hugh Jackman because I, when I look at Hugh Jackman, I almost see like a Broadway star more than I see like a, like a rough and tumble... Like Wolverine in the comics is like a rough guy. Yeah. And Hugh Jackman is just like a Too beautiful. Yeah. By the time you get on to Logan, though, he's pretty rough and yeah. tough. But anyways, look, RDJ, uh, I think the the other reason that it really works with the acting is because Tony Stark is always acting. Like he's always like performing for people. So even in the moments where Robert Downey Jr. is like a little showboaty or a little like over the top with his acting, it really works with the character because that's Tony Stark. Totally. And I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I think this is the role he was born to play. Yeah. I, I uh, There's so many moments in the movie where I notice that lines 
couldn't have been scripted? They weren't. Because right. they actually started shooting without a full screenplay written. Really? Which is so crazy to me. How the hell does that happen? You have all these screenwriters who are like trying to get their scripts out there. And then the, <laughs> then I guess maybe they just wrote a treatment. And then Marvel was like, yeah, this sounds good. We have the rights to make Iron Man. Let's start doing it. You know what's so funny about that is that like there were four credited screenwriters. Yeah. Marvel committee. My guess is that there was a screenplay written that yeah. was done. It's just that the version that they were shooting with, they weren't happy with. So they were like, okay, we got to like leave some room for blanks and whatever. Maybe, th- maybe they knew that like with Robert Downey Jr. there and I mean, I guess John Favreau, I don't know. Yeah. Well, they, there would they be a lot really of- rely on that in the second movie where there's literally like Tony Stark will say something here. Uh, and there's lots of improv and it kind of backfires and it's really bad because he's just not that clever. I never saw Iron Man 2. Don't. Just skip it. <laughs> I don't I heard remember that people don't like if it. I did. I, I definitely didn't see the It had a lot one. of potential. It was the one with Mickey Rourke as Whiplash. Uh, oh, wait. No, 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 no. Sorry. I saw Iron Man 2. I saw. I didn't see Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3. Who's the okay. villain in the third one? Is the Mandarin and... But he's a, he's like a red herring villain. It's like Killa something. It's Guy Pierce as Chinese dragon tattoo glowing man. Killmonger. Ki- Kilimanjaro. Killmonger is a <laughs> black panther. <laughs> Okay, after that scene then, there's like this gala, the one that he ghosts on and he's supposed to receive the award. I call it in my notes, exposition gala. Yeah, that, I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote the same thing. That's like yeah. as lazy as using a news montage as like an award ceremony thing. Like they do it in Zoolander. For sure. Uh, and this and like. I definitely watching watching this movie for how, I don't know how which time, I, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, but definitely that part is like. I'm like, ah, oh, they could have done this. But it's just so efficient, you know? It's very efficient, and it keeps, you know, it keeps dialogue from happening, being like, but you were a child genius. Yeah. Like, you know, it really gives yeah. us a lot of detail, and maybe it's necessary because later on when he's in a cave making things that have never been made ever on Earth, yeah, you have to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt and, and yeah. you know, okay, he made a reactor when he was right. four years old or whatever. I think it, that in a more artsy movie, something like that would be would annoy me because I'm like, ah, find a way yeah. to, to, to get us that information, you know, show, don't tell. But I think for, again, for this movie, I, I appreciate the simplicity. You know, we're here for a fun Iron Man romp. Uh, and, uh, you got to give the details. Well, so, then immediately boom. after, uh, Rhodey gives the award to Tony, who's not there. Uh, and Obadiah has to give that look and he's like, okay, I'll go step up. And that, is a really efficient storytelling where you understand their relationship, both Rhodey, Obadiah, and Tony, all like their dynamic. Uh, and you understand that Obadiah is used to Tony being like letting him down. And right, that it's right. kind of like planting the seed for his villainy. But also the, uh, the other parts of the relationship where like he's a business partner, he's um, a surrogate father. Totally. Yeah. He's a, it's a well acted role, by the way. I Jeff Bridges slays it. Jeff Bridges is great. I think that that role is a little underdeveloped. Yeah. I would say that that's like a a problem with pretty much every Marvel movie ever, mm. uh, save for like Thanos and Loki, maybe Killmonger and Vulture. Um, but Some of the villains have been very underdeveloped, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of underdeveloped. And like in superhero origin movies, that's kind of the general rule because right. like you have to spend all this time developing Tony Stark. You have very little time left developing Obadiah Stane. The villain is definitely the worst part of this movie. Yeah. And I mean, his I jump guess we'll to talk- villainy. His jump to villainy is so quick. Okay, let's just do it right now. Let's this is the <laughs> reason I hate I didn't like Act 3 very much. Yeah. We'll circle back to why I don't like Act 1. Act 2 was great because that has all the great moments of like him learning how to fly yeah. and like cut yeah. the power and then he falls through the floor and so yeah, Jarvis, like all the fire extinguisher stuff, and 
<laughs> and then all the other good scenes with Gwyneth Paltrow reaching into his chest and lots of good stuff in Act yep. 2. Then Act 3 is this weird villain ramp up where it's like, okay, this guy goes from... Okay, first of all, they introduce him as a villain by him like rocking up in a Segway, which everyone hates, <laughs> with a giant cigar. Wait, what? Yeah. He what are you talking about? He pulls up like where when his that's character's not, that's not the moment that he's a villain. The second it's, time. It's when he he's start, still a good guy. It's when you start to suspect that he could be a bad guy. He at this part he's still congenial with Tony Stark and everything, but he actually rocks up to to Stark on a Segway with a giant cigar and then like right. goes and has like a a confrontation with them. I'm just like okay, kind of. <laughs> I did think that cigar was like a little weird because he just came from that press conference where Tony kind of screwed him over by being like, we're not making weapons anymore. And then what? So like in between that, he just went and lit a cigar for fun. And Maybe. Then, he was stressed. That's he what was Rich, like, oh, man. Team. Tough day. Time time for a Segway yeah. and cigar. Rich board members do. <laughs> That's how I feel better. But then it just ramps up. Like, I believe that he files the injunction to dispose Stark. I believe even that he hires a hit on Stark. Hmm. I don't believe... I do believe that he starts um, making... Uh, you know his own version of these badass suits i don't believe that he crawls into one and attacks pepper pots and then just like goes up into the surface and is grabbing cars with civilians and then throwing them at iron man or yeah. fights iron man in or is willing I don't to murder believe that he's willing to murder his like surrogate son well, he like pulls out the thing and he's like all right bye peace well see but okay but not willing to just kill him right there he does that villain thing where it's just like, oh, I'll leave you alive. Yeah, it's very counterpoint. He's not his surrogate son at all. He he is uh, he he hates him because he had control of the company, and then Tony came out of school and he's just like, oh, okay, time my my time to be CEO, and he just like took over. See, so I, he has that resentment built in right from that. Uh, that but at the uh, same time, spe- you're spending time with the guy like ten years, and you're like, you built the company with his father. Like, yeah, they must have spent a lot. Of, he probably saw him in diapers. He might have actually cared for his father, or he might have not. He might have just been. He's you know he's he's a he's an evil corporate guy. I think the problem he is, doesn't really care about family. He's I a stained. Care- God damn it. Yeah. I think if they had def- defined that a little clearer, I think that'd be fine. But I just think that he's a little vague, and like, I man, I think there's a big problem, a big plot hole. Why isn't Tony watching this guy? As soon as he knows that Obadiah is the one that filed the injunction. Tony's a pretty smart guy, right? He he can do a pretty some, smart he can guy. do some stuff. Why does he not like worry at all about what else that guy is doing? He also sends Pepper to like investigate, get all this information about Obadiah saying that's going on. Why isn't he protecting himself from him? Why doesn't he have his like security system? Like, Why doesn't he lock his door? Have you yeah. noticed? Okay, Olavai Stain gets in, or whatever the guy's name is. Obadiah. Obadiah Obadiah Stain <laughs> gets in his house. Later, Rhodes gets in his house, and then after the credits. Nick Fury's in his house. Anyone can just get into Stark's house. Well, I always figured Those that it was, all... his security was smart enough that it would see Rhodes walking up and be like, oh, axe is granted. Yeah. And the same would have been for Obadiah. And Nick Fury just would have hacked it because he's S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, but I, at that point in the movie, Tony knows that Obadiah is working against him. And I, I find it very silly that he has no security, no like surveillance, no nothing watching this guy who he knows is now working against him. Maybe but, he was just sad. Maybe he's he was just depressed. in his feelings. But the worst part of all that is <laughs> He was, that though. When he said that, like, oh, I filed the injunction against you, he just is kind of, like, numb for a second. And then maybe he's just, like, maybe he's just thinking about life, you know? I'm, 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 full, I'm full on in, like, I like this movie already, so now I'm defending it mode. You're doubling but, down. But, hey, I don't know. I, think, I feel like the points are valid. James? The worst parts about that villain, though, is that he doesn't reveal anything about Tony Stark. Hmm. He doesn't expand what we know about Tony Stark. Like, 
Tony is already fully actualized as a hero before his conflicts with that villain. Right. Because he already has gone back to Afghanistan and killed a bunch of terrorists and and been a hero and used his weapons for good. He's already done that. that so was, fighting this big bad guy is just kind of feels like a tacked well, on, like there must be a boss fight in this I, movie. I would say that there's a big problem with uh, kind of the plot structure, that there's not really a clear goal for him. He's already figured out, you're right, he's already figured out his his change. He's like, I don't want to make weapons anymore. I want to do something that's good for the world. But that's in Act 1. And so by the end of Act 2, he's just tinkering with being Iron Man and then there's like something happening in the background. But all these things aren't like building towards each other. It's not like it's uh, like Obadiah Stane's like actively, that's not true. It doesn't feel like there's a rising action that's happening. It feels like Tony's just building better suits. He's right. not like, I've got to build better suits to do this. Mm. Uh, he's just like, yeah, I've, I've, I'll be a superhero now. That was my, that was my, one of my criticisms of the movie is that his arc kind of completes very early on. And it's not, it's not completed, but, but the, the reason, um, the way that I made sense of that was that he has a change of heart early on, but then his mission is to transform his corporation and his, you know, impact on the world from negative to positive. So the way that he's moving towards that is by building this suit and that building this suit is the journey from I was here and now I want to get there where my company is not selling weapons anymore. I'm going to do stuff for good. And the final thing that's preventing him from doing that is Obadiah Stane, who has control of the board. And so by defeating Obadiah Stane, he gains control over himself again. You're the, right, the actually. In fact, um, usually in a movie, like before, before you achieve the thing, it looks like there's no way you can achieve the thing. Yeah. And that actually happens when the, the suits that he's building for good, the Iron Man suit, gets perverted and weaponized into something for evil again. Right. That's like the worst possible thing. And exactly. that is what happens. So it does fit in that sense. There you go. It's just that that's all like, that's all outer journey stuff. But the yeah. inward journey of him becoming mm-hmm. who he wants to be, the hero, that is already done. Yeah. And I, I if I had another criticism, it would be that that switch itself we don't see a lot of it. Like we see that whole the the whole sequence where he's in the uh, he, he's he's being he's been kidnapped by the terrorists. That whole sequence, like it, we could understand that to be that he is building this suit and having a you know quote unquote change of heart because he just wants to escape and he's it's revenge. He, he's he's mad that he was able to get captured by these guys. Um, so we don't see. I don't know. Later, we we see him like seeing the direct effects of his of his weapons when he goes already like with the suit to go and rescue all the civilians and stuff who are being rounded up. See, by the I bad think guys. I I personally think that the strongest part of the movie is uh, the Middle Eastern parts uh, that he's having all this growth and this challenge and like he's kind of like fighting the fact that his legacy is is war. Yeah. Uh, and I think they do a really good job using Yusef to bring out his humanity. Jensen. Yensen. Yensen. Yeah. Yensen? Yens- yeah. Well, it's, it's spelled Yensen, but it's Yensen. I don't know. Whatever. Yensen. Okay. The guy's Sean Tube. Great, great actor. I like Great him. actor. And I think he ha- brings so much humanity. He's like a human MacGuffin, though. Yeah, totally. And like, <laughs> he's, he's just like, there. Kind of, he tells you from the beginning, I'm tell. here to die, and yeah. then he dies. But he's a MacGuffin that makes sense. <laughs> totally. He's there to tell Tony, hey, you have everything and nothing. Right. You should live for something. Yep, and that's uh, and it works for me. I feel sad yeah. when he dies, and I'm like, he's at peace. And then it's like badass Iron Man moments. I actually thought he was gonna be a traitor at the end, uh, but 
He wasn't. No, he was I'm just a nice, genuine dude. Yeah. But no. actually, I don't like the whole cave sequence. Oh, really? I don't like it. And it's not because I don't like the idea of it. Like, I can buy the fact that he's going to make this suit out of nothing. Like, sure. He can repurpose <laughs> missile parts and just and make this thing. And I, I can buy the fact that he's it's going to have jetpacks on it. It can fly away at the end. Yeah. Whatever. I'm watching a Marvel movie. Yeah. I'm into that. What I don't buy is how the baddies have cameras and they're looking at him and they're not privy to what he's doing. Well, they, they actually look through the camera and see him with like a, a leg brace thing on and his leg is being mechanically extended by this thing and his leg's going up and down and they're just looking at the camera going, hmm. Like well, they they're starting they to get in, a sense. But that, they go in and then they beat them and then they're like, we're going to kill this dude and make him eat a thing of ember. And like, yeah, I, I don't think like that. You I think, have until the morning. Yeah, you have until the morning. They, they change it from a week to the next day. So I think you're wrong in that i don't know man and then they when they finally are like oh shit something's going on in there let's get in there how does he even have time to put the whole suit on like that would take hours i just well they had i just thought it, on for I thought it was just that's hokey a, that's a whole plot element that it took a long time to put the suit on yeah and i don't believe these guards man they're really <laughs> dumb it's okay, okay I, but I, I i agree where they're they're they could have done it better i think the fact that there's two head honchos of the middle yes, eastern is that's such a big a problem waste. just have one dude i figured out why they did that though. why because they have two head honchos right they, when they first meet the gang like the what do you want to call these people this militia this terrorist they're the group, 10 whatever. rings organization the ten, they meet the 10 rings first it's the one dude uh, who's kind of this nondescript, short, doughier. Short dude with the beard. And then they introduce this other guy, the bald guy, who eventually gets a big wound on his head. And he's, Raza. He's always holding in that ring. Yeah. So they have these two head honchos, and I was like, wait, what the heck? And which one's in charge? And it kind of feels like the bald dude eventually, he gets way more screen time and, is yeah. more, and more characterization. But then later on, I figured it out because he defeats... Does he kill that bald guy when he's escaping? The- no. When does he, the guy with the ring, does he defeat no, that guy? No, he didn't kill him because he appears later and Obadiah Sane uses the paralysis yeah. thing. Oh, yeah, right, right. And then they kill him. But the reason there's that second one is because when Tony returns back with his Iron Man suit and saves that little town yeah. and shoots all the hostages with his kick-ass mis- missiles things, uh, you need to defeat someone we care about. And right. that's when the second head honcho is there and gets killed. And if they, if they were just killing like a random terrorist, it wouldn't be as good. Wait, the second? Oh, you mean the first one we see? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Head on show number one or two? Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, it was a little confusing, but I understood why they did because then, you know, when they're really in trouble and the soldiers notice that they're not building a missile in there, then the big guy comes in. So I don't know. I feel like it had that. I think yeah, and then just- then they they burst in and they start opening fire. When there's just like, this guy's building a missile. There's literally missiles in the shot. Yeah, that was dumb. You're shooting at missiles. Okay, but you're not, these these are like, you know, Middle Eastern terrorist henchmen. They're not university graduates. Like, they're not. Yeah, but you would know, but don't they, shoot a missile. Are they not? Because then they, they pick up all the stuff and rebuild the suit later. But it might not be Two those. Two guys. Yeah, it might be like their most educated yeah. people. It is that same guy, that guy who speaks Hungarian with the long curly hair. <laughs> it's noticed. literally the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice it was the same guy. Yes. They're all just kind of like bad guys. Like, like six months. He got a Harvard education. I also <laughs> don't buy that like. <laughs> he did it online. Yeah. And then Tony bursts out the front door and he has those flamethrowers and he just shoots them at those weapons caches also full of missiles. Uh, I was like, that's dude, so dumb. Dead. What you're is dead. going on? For sure. That, I was, think that was definitely one of the moments in the movie. Well, one of the few moments in the then movie he, where I'm like, that's stupid. He'd be cooking in that thing. Then he blasts off and survives the landing. And I just made a mental note. I was like, if you're mad that he survived that landing, 
then don't watch any MCU from now on because <laughs> yeah. it's all like inertia breaking. You physics. know what's funny? I I, I, rem- I thought I remembered this movie being like pretty realistic in terms of the technology, and it definitely is more realistic than the subse- subsequent every time. Subsequent. That's that's what you get when you read books as a kid and never say the words. Uh, subsequent uh, movies. It's definitely more realistic than those, but. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, of, uh, suspending disbelief still that I, I think because the holographic thing where he puts his arm in, it's like, okay, this is slightly in the future, you know, slightly in the future where, where people have, uh, manipulatable, uh, holographic technology now, but you know, building an iron suit in a cave and then like falling from however many hundred feet, it's sand, it's soft, I you think know, part of why some of those things feel so ridiculous is that the CG really is doesn't hold up. And so like I thought it held up pretty good. I don't think so. I think there's a lot of like explosions. Like the explosion that explosion of the camp where it's an actual explosion looks okay. But like when uh the main baddie shoots a grenade at at Tony steps aside uh and then he shoots the rocket at him, that whole thing looked really bad. And there's a lot of flying stuff that just looks tacky. And I find that that always makes me more aware of how ridiculous everything is. Hmm. Um, there's a few practical effects that are okay. Like I think the scene when he has the has to change his reactor in his chest or Pepper has to. That's a really cool scene. Like how did they get that hole in his chest? Yeah. Like it looks really cool. That's really damn deep, man. How did he survive? <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that where your lungs are supposed to be? Does that even make any sense? Yeah, I feel like that that's a bit uh, confusing. Like how how did Yinsen get so deep in there? Like this is a major surgery. It's okay. I, every comic book movie, even the best ones, there's still moments where you have to be like, yep, it's a comic book movie. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's got padding in the suit or something. That's how he's able to. I wish they spent more time on the padding. Yeah. Because like, just being encased in metal, yeah, you'd you be get dead. thrown into a wall. Yeah, you're hurting. I have a few things where like the, the comic bookiness of this bother me. Like, So he has that iron suit with these pretty big eye holes. I'm like, one of those bullets would have gone in and fucking blown up his skull. Like, well, <laughs> come on, man. But then we yeah, wouldn't have a movie. You never know. Yeah, but like, we don't want to see. Why that don't they movie? just like do something to cover his eyes? I don't know. The fact that you can see his eyes through it, it doesn't really help make you connect with his emotion anyway. So just like cover him up. They should have been smaller. They should have been just like slits. Yeah. The first time he suits up in that suit, and the first time he suits up in the proper Iron Man suit, that's pretty cool. It's 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 like it's that's pretty, pretty awesome. Sweet. They do a good job of that reveal because they start by showing his HUD. In, for his view, like w- when you're looking at his face and all the electronics in front of it, so you're inside the suit at first, yeah. and then they just show you like parts of the suit, and it's unpainted. They just show the legs, and then it finally culminates on on the full view and his face, and it, it was very satisfying. It was great. I yeah, I feel like that's a. Have they done it on movies before this, where someone's in a suit and we see like their face inside the uh, the helmet, and we see like the holographic elements on top? Because I feel like that. If if this movie added anything to the lexicon of uh, cinematic uh, language, it's the floating that head shot is the... it. Yeah, floating... and it, it does it does hold up. I that think that's a good choice. In cinema long before before Iron Man for sure. No way, dude. There's this. I don't know what inside it was the helmet. There's how do they a... get the camera in there? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? about? Just a camera close to your face. What are you talking? What? It's not even that close. It's like a pretty far long lens because it's like his face isn't distorted. If it was like anywhere close, he would his nose would be like right. huge and that. So they they have it like a far distance away, but it's just a close up, yeah, and then they just CG and everything. And they else. technologically figured it out this time. Hey, who's the who's the voice of Jarvis? Paul Bettany. Paul this is Bettany. the guy who plays Vision. Who, who? Oh, it's that dude. Yeah, okay. it's cool that he's the guy they had from the beginning. It's pretty yeah. cool actually. 
Oh yeah, it? right, because that's the whole thing with Vision. Yeah. Oh, and it is the same guy from the beginning. But apparently that's that's that cool. that worked that's out. That's pretty cool. But yeah. apparently that wasn't the plan. I believe it. The plan wasn't to have Jarvis become Vision. They they just had Paul Bettany as Jarvis's voice because, yeah. and then later when they were like, "We're bringing Vision in," they were like, "Oh, Paul Bettany could be Vision." And the the point the point being that it's cool that Paul Bettany you know snagged that role, even though originally he was just supposed to be the AI voice. So he had the opposite journey of Terrence Howard. How do you think Terrence oh. Howard feels? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> I wanted what to happened? Talk about this. Why did they change the actor for War Machine? I think oh. he just like wanted too much money or like didn't want to keep going. Supposedly, Terrence Howard was the highest paid actor on the original Iron Man. Whoa. And for reasons unknown, Marvel didn't want to give him a pay bump for Iron Man 2, so he was replaced with Don Cheadle. How was Don Cheadle cheaper than Terrence Howard? Terrence Howard was pretty big at that that time. Don Cheadle, though, man. Hotel Ter- well, no, I remember when that movie came out, it was like, Terrence, ooh, Terrence Howard. Because yeah. he had done some like good indie artsy movies and see he had a lot of clout as like a really good actor he had just done crash that was a couple years before and people like that although now people don't like it anymore um but do you think he cries sometimes thinking about it who i mean howard yeah i'm sure if you ask him he'll be like cool he's like you know it is what it is that's the business i made a decision but i think if you got drunk with him you know yeah he might be like ah because yeah like early on they couldn't really get great actors it was like pretty good actors like chris evans was like pretty okay tony stark is like coming up again chris hemsworth was some just handsome nobody Uh, oh man okay so apparently apparently terrence howard wasn't super privy to the whole salary negotiations it was like his agency and stuff because they're like, hey, our guy here deserves more money. You know, you're not. And and, and Marvel was like, no, we don't want to pay him that much. Then and we're so, out of here. Yeah, then we're out of here. But I think that Terrence Howard said he was a big fan of Iron Man. So he was like super excited to be part Aww. of it. And, and he was not happy about uh, losing out, losing out on the role. That, that sucks. Yeah. Now that would suck. Yeah, oh, sucks. my God. Can you imagine if someone yeah. else messed it up for you? I liked I liked Don Cheadle and what he did with the role later. Yeah. But. I was sad the first time that I saw him because I was like, oh, Terrence, I liked Terrence Howard. It's just a different character and they both play it well and I like both of them, uh, but I just feel bad for the dude. That kind of happened with uh, Lawrence Fishburne in Pulp Fiction. We never talked about this in the Pulp Fiction episode, but uh, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, it was going to be him and the guy who plays Mr. Blonde in Reservoir Dogs, Michael Madsen. Uh, They were going to be like the Vince Vega and and Jules characters. Oh, yeah. But then Lawrence Fishburne uh, was advised not to take the role by his agent because he was on an upward trajectory with his career and he shouldn't play supporting anymore. He should do leading role. Oh. Yeah. So, and (sighs) so it was strategically, he turned it down strategically, but that would have been one of his most iconic roles. But whatever, turn out fine with The Matrix. That Matrix, yeah. (laughs) He's doing fine now still. Man, I have a question. Okay. Is every superhero movie a male fantasy film? Dude, that's deep. <laughs> uh, I mean, probably. Um, the easy answer is yes. Do you uh, the more... do you think that they could develop superhero movies into something else? No, because they're all hero's journey. They're all about like power and ass kicking. Like what is what is not a male fantasy film? Like something like Marriage Story, which is about like relationships. I don't think like that's, it's not going to happen in the MCU. That's not. Well, a, I think that's like, a no one's fantasy. Like film. a war film where it really does depict war as shitty. Uh, I think it, like I was well, thinking about this. Like Logan, I guess, is like a non male fantasy because like it sucks to be Logan. 
Okay, but these are having a bad time. Like Wait, a tragedy what? versus a comedy. Yeah, like. But why are we why are we making a dichotomy between male fantasy films and like everything else? Because like what what else could a superhero like a I superhero guess, movie is inherently a power fantasy of some kind because yeah. you have super powered people and that that the audience is projecting themselves onto. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, could you have a more feminine power fantasy? But that's the thing is that I'm not saying that I'm not saying that girls don't uh, wouldn't wouldn't see themselves in these heroes, right? I def- I think that anybody could see themselves in these heroes depending on your preferences. But I think that you know psychologically or like s- symbolically speaking, of course the big powerful hero who like goes and like accomplishes things goes out into the into the forest and hunts and provides for people and saves the day that's going to be a symbolically psychologically male thing i mm. guess if you're talking about that but no yeah. i'm not saying but it, i don't think that it necessarily only appeals to males no for sure and it I think definitely does marvel, on the whole the marvel movies have done a good job of kind of broadening the appeal of comic book movies uh I, and I, it's not even like uh, I mean, as like a male female thing. I, I I mean it more generally when you're referring to like media or like a video game as like a I guess a power fantasy. Uh, it's like a negative thing, uh, and I wonder if like that's part of why Martin Scorsese kind of comes down on the Marvel movies because like they're inherently power fantasies. Well, Star Scorsese movies. <laughs> I think the the bad ones are. That's a good uh, point. Like, that's why Wolf of Wall Street's kind of silly. It's like it's a power fantasy about. Like that, and like he doesn't. But they all are. Casino is, Goodfellow is, but they're way more not taxi, not taxi Driver. I'd say Goodfellas isn't though. It's like it's about how it messes them up, and in the end, like. But, but the, they all are rags to riches to rag story. Same with uh, Wolf of Wall Street. They're they're kind of power fantasies for a bit, and then they turn into tragedies. Yeah, so I it's think like, that a Marvel movie could conceivably tick the box that you're talking about, David. Depending on the ensemble, like, because I'm thinking about, of course, Dune. Um, so <laughs> most people don't know a lot about Dune, but James's lo- Star Wars. But you know about uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Dune's Dune is kind of Game of Thronesy, right? Where and lots of women like Game of Thrones, and it's there's power dynamics at play, but it's about the relationships between this, yeah. all these different people and going behind people's back and like the subtle knife kind of thing. For sure. Uh, and I think if there's a universe, if there's a a, a property in the Marvel universe that has those dynamics, then that could work. I think that uh, as the MCU progresses, it definitely becomes a lot more about the relationships between the different characters and less about, ooh, this guy's building a really cool suit. Yeah. yeah. Look, Look how can- hard I can punch. Yeah, yeah. It's almost, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, but as the MCU goes on, you think less and less about how these things are working and who is developing more powerful suits and powers and stuff and, and more about... These guys, these guys can just blast holes in walls with their minds. Okay, cool. That, we don't really need to spend a lot of time on that. That's just the way it is. But now we're talking about what they want to accomplish and their motivations and the way that they relate to the other characters and stuff like that. Do you that. guys think that the uh, the ending of this movie is at all okay? You mean the final scene? The, like the fight. Where he's like, oh. The, like, I the, want to say the final scene is badass. Yeah, like, like, oh, that's great. I am Iron Man. Yeah, that's boom. A, that's Credits, boom. Awesome. That was the most satisfying yeah, ending ever. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Especially because, yeah. yeah, the trope is that they all have to keep their secret identity. Like, Spider Man was huge a couple years before, and that was such a huge theme was him having to hide his Spider Man. Same with Batman. Yeah. And they just dispose of it. Yeah, I yeah. love that. That's excellent. But yeah. I mean, more the fight with Obadiah. I feel like that whole sequence is such a snore. How does he. What? Ki- how do- Okay, so you're they, so weird, David. Yeah, thank you, David. So he he grabs them and he flies up into the stratosphere where their suits become icy. I like that. Before that, they're punching. 
Yeah, they're punching really hard. There's lots of punching. And like they've set up that okay, Iron Man's suit's gonna be way better, but he only has like seventeen percent power because he's using that recycled uh chest piece. Arc reactor. Arc reactor. Which is his new heart, by the yeah. way, which is very symbolic. You yeah, know, he has to because Pepper Potts takes it out of his chest and labels it proof that Tony Stark has a heart. I didn't even think of that. Here's my question for you: I thought the arc reactor was just keeping the magnet going that keeps those that shrapnel out. I don't think it was keeping his heart going. No, 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 no. It's, no. it's protecting the shrapnel from reaching his heart. Yeah, he's, so he's saying symbolically, it's his. Yeah, new yeah no, no, no. I, I agree, symbolically, but metaphor, David. Would get, taking it out for like ten minutes really kill him? No, I think I think the implication is that. He would have, you know, maybe weeks to yeah. live. But then he, there's that scene where he's crawling and they're yeah, trying to create that tension. Yeah, but that's because he, he that's was given that paralyzer. Yeah, but so it's like a false drama that it's like, oh, he'll just wake up and then he can do it fine. And like, <laughs> yeah, I guess you're no, right. Well, but he's also he's also going for it because he has to go save. For for sure, for Pepper. sure. But putting uh, it in isn't going to help him with the paralysis. No. Like he could have just waited for the paralysis. Well, to Well, and we off. see that we see that because he gets it in his chest, but then he's still there, knocked out when. Rody comes and gets him. But okay, so the fact that he has to crawl over to get the replacement in his chest, I guess, implies that the shrapnel would migrate into his heart within minutes or ten. Well, hours. I, yeah, and that's the thing. I think that they don't know how long he would have to live without the thing. So better, better have it in all this the time. This guy can't get surgery when he gets home. Yeah, you see, I feel like in this, this world of incredible technology, it's not that unrealistic to have that thing. I'm not a surgeon. I'm not Doctor Strange. I think what this, do I know? Yeah, I think in the second one they do take the stuff out, but he keeps it because he's Iron Man. So. How about that product placement? The I op- want an American cheeseburger. The next scene, <laughs> boom, Burger King yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah, I love that though. And she's like, "No, we have to get to." He's like, "Cheeseburger first. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, and then it's a Burger King cheeseburger. Well, whatever, man. Did that bother you? That was so. It was just so. What blatant. about all that the Audis? Me Audis. There's tons of Audis. There's like some watch faces that come like yeah. full frame. It's just a that little. But it's it, a little. Commercial, it would bother me obnoxious. if it was like if it was like out of character or something for him to be like. Actually, I'm going to stop and get a cheeseburger. It's like, well, no, but I I could totally. That's such a Tony Stark it's, thing. Well, why can't it be Big Kahuna Burger? Because that's because they didn't. They don't copyright. have the bucks. Yeah. They don't have the Benjamins. Because they don't exist. Because they're fictional. Like in Pulp Fiction, it's a fictional <laughs> burger. Well, I don't know. It's just it just makes it a little more commercial and. Um, you would rather American. a Marvel movie have a bunch of nondescript. Uh, Hey, copyright free options in Quentin Tarantino movies. It's always Apple brand cigarettes. It's in it's an in universe big brand, and because there's lots of Tarantino movies, that brand is in lots of movies, and then this fans start to it's not nondescript yeah. anymore. It's Apple, but you're treating yeah, but, the Marvel movies like they're an artistic vision. Right. They're a money making machine, and yeah. so how can they make money? Putting Burger King in. How do they put money? Well, in? Sure, I agree with you, but I'm just saying it would be a little nicer if, if, if that if there wasn't so like. I guess on I guess the I'm nose with that. So like, desensitized not, to that. We wouldn't get these movies then because that this is how they pay for themselves. Sure. I guess <laughs> I guess at this point I'm so desensitized to them and that ones like that where they're like pretty slickly integrated into what's going on, it doesn't bother me nearly as much as Superman smashing into an IHOP. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's Yeah. Or, yeah it yeah, had yeah. such jarring uh product placement that is so uh, makes so little sense with the story that like stuff like that is just like it, it happens and goes and you're done. I really don't I'm okay have... with them driving Audi as the whole like every movie has a brand that they drive around yeah. but I thought I don't know I thought the, the Burger, Burger King one sure, was a little that's much. Fair. Well but how are we supposed to I want to stay on this for one more minute. <laughs> how are we supposed to 
You want him to hand him a burger bag and have it just be like a blank bag? Well, yeah, it could be or just like just a, a greasy a logo bag. they make up. But yeah. why would they do that when they could make some extra money by having it be a Burger King bag? Because then I'm looking at it like, oh, Burger King, yeah, cool. I need to get the Whopper. It's Wednesday. Like, it's, you a, don't like, it's an ad. I don't want that. I don't like being manipulated. I don't want there. I don't want it to be an ad. But what if I well, want a Whopper? Unless it's unless. It's Blade Runner 2049, and it's an Atari logo <laughs> yeah, or a drink yeah. Coke, and it's want, like a parallel universe. I want product placement for a company's products that don't exist in but, this timeline. But that works yes. because it's like part of a telling the story of like the corporatization of America, where I, I, I can agree, where like you could have the same jokes and have it be more invisible instead of having a, a BK logo. So I can agree there. What do you guys think about the moment where uh, Rhodes is watching Tony Stark suit up, and then he's like, do you, want, do you need me to do anything else? And he's like, just keep the skies clear. And then he takes off, and then Rhodey looks at the Mark One, and he's like, next time, baby. I had, <laughs> unless my agent puts yeah. me over. <laughs> <laughs> the next first... time, baby, and he never got to. Oh, oh I just realized that. Was a that. Great line. F for Terrence Howard, boys. <laughs> that was a great line, <laughs> a great delivery, too. I had such glee the first time that that happened. And I'd say that, like, all of the, like, superheroes discovering their power bits the first time i watched this movie in 2008 was filled me with glee and excitement but now that we've seen <laughs> specifically it specifically glee specifically <laughs> glee um but now that we've seen like 20 different superhero origin movies since then i find all that stuff kind of rote and like boring david and it's not super exciting to me the david DCM, like, okay i'm gonna tinker and i'm gonna make a thing on Okay, now I'm gonna fly. I'm like, you, hey, you've cool. just been desensitized. It was totally, the first one. You totally. Need to, you need to, you need to go back to basics. But I'm watching this movie in 2020, and I've seen Ant Man. I've seen Captain Marvel. I've yeah. seen Spider Man Two. I've seen like 17 different Batmans. I've seen Spider Man. Not only that, I've seen Uncle Ben die five times. You know like, what you gotta I, do? I've also seen demos from literally Microsoft here on the planet Earth being like this is the hololens and this right. is what it's going to yeah. look like and you can you can use your hand to move this thing so back in 2008 when he's has that computer with the augmented reality and he can manipulate it with his hand it's like wow i've never even thought oh, of that totally. before. that would be so cool I, I, th- I feel like in order to enjoy a movie like this you have to go back mentally and pretend as best you can that you haven't seen all those other movies right because like I, I said earlier that one of the reasons why I enjoyed watching this movie again was knowing all the stuff that happens later. But I think that I was able at the same time to pretend that this is the, like, put myself back in 2008 and being like, okay, what have I seen before this? I've seen the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, which I'm sure a lot of people love, but I didn't love the, you know, Daredevil Two Hulks. Realistic Spider-Man. Yeah, the two Hulk movies that swing and a miss both times. So wait, is the Ed Norton one canon? Is that it's canon, yeah. It so is, that's right. Mark Ruffalo's character, but just played And I didn't hate else. that one. I thought that one was okay. It's, Tim Roth was yeah. good. Um, <clears throat> but put myself in that mindset and then, you know, that it's super. It's so much more enjoyable that way. You know what I think you have to do, David? It's just watch less movies. Only watch a few movies. I can't. I watch like 10 <laughs> movies a week. I can't stop. Do you actually? Yeah, probably. That's I watch mad. I watch a movie probably three or four nights during the week, and then I watch at least four on the weekend. A full movie? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Four on a weekend. There's at least one day in the weekend. Do you, I'll do two. two. Do at you least. go outside? No, no. Do you not multitask? Really. <laughs> Sometimes. If it's like, like, if I wasn't watching Iron Man for this podcast, I was just watching it to rewatch it, I for sure would, would multitask. What would be your secondary activity? Uh,. Either like be on my phone or cleaning or wait, you you for these podcasts you watch movies while you're cleaning. No 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 no. If oh. I wasn't uh, for the 
for the podcast, I sit there, take notes, and I 100% pay attention. I don't let my girlfriend talk. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she doesn't talk in movies very often. Actually, she does. I've watched movies with her. She's a talker. Sometimes. Michaela. Sometimes. I love you, Michaela. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah. That's too many movies, David. No, I love movies. But then you come in here and you be like, there's nothing new in this movie. I'm upset. But then there is movies that blow me away. And it's the same thing. I just love movies and appreciate them. And I remember having this phenomenon happen in film school where you learn more about movies. And it doesn't, it makes you like movies less, but it makes you like the movies you like way more because you have now a vocabulary to express what makes them so special. Then that's that's definitely the the dilemma, I guess, eh? Like watch watch a ton of movies and have a more nuanced understanding of every, each entry in the medium mm-hmm. or watch less and be happier. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Sometimes. Watch it on a 17-inch laptop. That's why we're a great or podcast. We have back, all the levels. The back display of a Honda Odyssey. That's my new favorite. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that. I like Whoever that tweeted that. Thank you. I retweeted you, so I should remember what your <laughs> account is, but I forgot. That was a great tweet. There's lots of great tweets on our Twitter. <gasps> oh! At Carpool Critics. Hey, we're going to do something different right now, Riley. We didn't even tell you about this. Oh, no. David is going to read out a very special review that someone left for us okay. on their podcast platform. This is written by a random eloquent nerd on Apple Podcasts. He says, A rather eclectic mix of people providing insight on a diverse range of cinema from the perspective of not only the layman, but also a former film student. We're laymen, <laughs> me, me and Riley. Also, to all the LTT Techling fans out there, did you need anything more than James, Riley, and David in a single podcast? Of course you don't. Oh. So he switched tenses there? He went from past Guys, tense don't to criticize the review. Notice, I didn't notice that. I loved it. I don't loved listen it to too. it. Thank you, random eloquent nerd. But I, I don't appreciate how that uh, discounts the possibility of liking later LMG podcasts, which may come. So thank you, eloquent uh, writer nerd reviewer guy. Random eloquent nerd. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, we read that out because we want to encourage you guys to write more reviews because it really helps us and get the podcast shown to people because someone said recently, I think also on Twitter, like not enough people are listening to this for how sick it is. <laughs> so you guys should share this stuff. And if you write a review, maybe we'll read it out. That's incentive. More people will see the podcast. Ooh. Yeah, if you want other people to see us read your reviews and then show them. But we don't want to be like patting ourselves in the back. Like we're, We don't want to read out reviews that are just like, these guys are great. But yeah. Write something funny in there that's going to grab our attention and we'll read yours out. Write a review yeah. just skewering us. No. Just take us I apart. I can't handle it. My Ooh, self-esteem's too small. I want to read one of those. Just praise David and just, yeah. just roast me yeah. and Riley. Yeah. Speaking of funny reviews, I found some good one-star and five-star reviews of this movie. My favorite one, though, is from Sarah Diamonds, a user on Common Sense Media. She gives the movie one stars. Very boring. Whoa. I did not enjoy it at all. Oh. A lot of sexual dialogue use. What? Smoking at one point. Oh, no. A sex scene. Couldn't see anything, but clearly he everything, a.k.a. Ah. rank. Oh, Wow. One star. Is that is that like a is that like a rural Michigan mom or like I don't know. I always wonder who No the, offense to rural Michigan moms, but like that one she needs to relax. Wait, there's more here. I would be super mad if I hadn't got the seniors discount. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Yeah. This is a pretty tame movie by uh, by uh, all those standards, even. I know, I read one for the fountain that was like they use the F word in this movie. I don't like that. Just like it's like you're you get leave. Go away. Go. You're not you're the wrong person to leave a review. Yeah. You're not supposed to do this. Everyone else re- leave reviews for us though. That's good. Also, you can email us at uh, carpoolcriticspodcast at gmail.com. 
And we're actually collecting quite a bit of questions for our mailbag episode. Yeah, when are we going to do that? I don't know. We've got to do it soon, I guess. Like, we're, we don't want to have too many questions. We want to have the exact right amount. Our recent guy went real deep. He's asking about like the nature of love and stuff. So more deep know. questions, people. Heck yeah, dude. Heck yeah. Ask us to talk about quantum mechanics. I got lots to say. Also, no. I want some I want some <laughs> emails from our female listeners. I know 5% of you are female. And some of you, actually, I think most of them, most of the women that listen to this podcast are like cinephiles. Otherwise, why listen to these three dudes just yammer on? So talk actually, about male so, power fantasies. So why don't you guys, uh, you ladies, message us and give us some interesting questions from the other side of the aisle. You know what? Everybody messages. Just everybody who's listening to this, write a message right now. Send it in. If you don't, I know that you did not do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let us know if you want us to do more MCU coverage, because I'd love to work our way through the MCU, but we need you guys to tell us that you want that. So this is the phase phase one. This is the phase one movie. Before we do another MCU movie, we're doing Revenge of the Sith. No. Um, What do you you guys don't want to do it now? (laughs) I would rather do episode one. No, stop. No, 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 no. We talked about this. If we're doing a prequel, it's Revenge of the Sith. I agree. We'll, let's wait I, for Luke and Linus to do their commentary and we can like, I thought we were going to do that, that episode one, the version of episode one that's like a fan edit where they made Jar Jar have like an intelligible alien language and they like, Ooh, they fixed it maybe. a bit. You don't want to see something you've never seen before? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see lightsaber well, fights. What, what should we do next week? I was thinking, I want to do a Mel Brooks movie sometime. Maybe we should do the mailbag episode next week. Maybe you should be the mailbag. I think we should do it. You should shave your bag with a manscaped <laughs> lawnmower 3.0. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs>